From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. The Book of Exodus, Sefer Shmot. Exodus 25, Truma. Why do we need all of this? In this week's portion of the Torah, the many details for the construction of the Mishkan and its utensils are given. There are hundreds of explicit and intricate instructions as to their materials, shapes, and dimensions. Why do we need to learn all this? If these items have only a literal application, that is, for physical use in the Mishkan, why then should we learn about them now? If solely literal, these instructions should have been reserved for the handful of craftsmen who were actually charged with making them. Also, we should ask, why do we need the Mishkan and its stationary replacement, the temple, at all? The Torah informs us that the Mishkan was the place where God was going to dwell among us. But isn't God everywhere? If so, why do we need a centralized place for Him to dwell? First, to address the structure and the implements required for its service. Although certainly these items were for physical use in the Mishkan, they also must be studied using the various perspectives, literal, allegorical, interpretive, and underlying, to understand their relevance to us today. The structure was not merely a literal one, but, as is explained in our mystical writings, it is also a representation of the human spiritual experience. While one area of the Mishkan represents our heart, another represents our head, or various other functions of our spiritual bodies. The several altars and their implements were designed not merely for the physical Mishkan, but also to instruct us about our underlying spiritual service. Since in the Mishkan there was a holy area and a most holy area, which is called the Holy of Holies, we also must search within ourselves to find these holy areas. In the holiest place, there was an ark that contained the tablets with the Ten Commandments engraved upon them. Above this were the Cheruvim, whose wings were touching. And it was from above there that God spoke to Moshe. Where is the place that God speaks within us? We must search for it within our hearts and heads. Now that we do not have the temple, our Shabbat dining table symbolizes the sacrificial altar. As such, we must conduct ourselves there as if we are offering up our service to God. The food must be fitting for spiritual consumption and the proper blessings recited. The singing of joyful songs and discussions of holy subjects must be pursued. These activities help to replace the loss that we have suffered by not having the temple. But why then did we need the Mishkan in the first place? If it was merely a mystical representation of our bodies, minds, and homes, why have it at all? Let the Torah teach us the mystical experience in the first place and not even bother with the mere literal perspective. Actually, this was the original hope. Adam, the first man, had no sacrifices commanded to him. There was no need for them. But still he had a desire to thank God. So according to the sages, he did offer up a thanksgiving offering. But then, after he ate of the forbidden fruit, 
His spiritual awareness diminished drastically, and he was thrown out of the garden. Later, his children heard from their father how it used to be back in the garden, and they sensed their great loss. It was for this reason that they brought their sacrifices. Much later, the entire Jewish nation was elevated to the level of actually seeing God's presence and hearing him speak to them. When the revelation came on Mount Sinai, the entire nation was elevated to the level of prophecy. Ideally, this was to be the level of every Jewish man, woman, and child from that time on. But the people could not maintain such a degree of awareness, and very soon after that revelation, they fell into idolatry, starting with the sin of the golden calf. This event lowered our consciousness back to such a low level that we needed some process to elevate it again. Had we maintained that high level of spiritual awareness, the entire nation would have been a nation of prophets and there would never have been a need for the Mishkan and the temples. So this is why God gave us the tabernacle. The Mishkan was to elevate our consciousness to the level of prophecy and every detail of it and its service must somehow further this goal. But actually, the main function of the Mishkan and later temples was not the worship service, as wondrous as it was. Although the most obvious services of the Mishkan were the sacrifices and elaborate service of the priest, most of all, the Mishkan and temples were centers of learning. It was there that the Torah was exemplified and handed down. It was there that Jewish law was protected and the tradition was taught. Those sacrifices were not for God's benefit. He has no need for dead cows. They were offered up for our sake, to give us merit and to bring us to awe. It was to the Mishkan and temple that we went when we had questions regarding Jewish law or when major arguments needed to be judged. We have survived all these years without the sacrifices, but without the Torah, we would never have survived as a people. While we now use prayer as a substitute for the sacrifices, we have no substitute for Torah. This shows us that the Torah, rather than the sacrifices, was the primary function of the Mishkan. But what of God's statement that it was there that he was to dwell among us? Doesn't he dwell everywhere? Of course God is everywhere. There's no place devoid of him. That he was to dwell among us means that the revelation of God's presence will be made evident there. The Hebrew word Shekhinah is commonly translated as God's presence. More properly, it should be understood to mean the revelation of God's presence. So does this mean that only through the temple service will God's presence be seen? No, it means that wherever we are, when we serve God in the most perfect way possible, His glorious presence will be revealed. Above the top, the Torah says, I shall speak with you from atop the cover, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark. The Mishkan served the nation for over 400 years and was replaced by the first temple, which was destroyed. Next came the second temple, which also was destroyed. Soon, God willing, there will come the third temple, which will never be destroyed. As quoted above, God told us that it is from within this place that he would speak with us. 
But are we to believe that since the Mishkan and temples are gone, that we have no place to go in order to hear God speak to us? God forbid. Remember, for the Torah to be more than merely a history book, somehow the Mishkan and temples had to be physical enactments of our individual spiritual lives. So even today, there must be some place that we can go to hear him speak. In the heart of the Mishkan was the Ark. Inside the Ark were placed the tablets of the Ten Commandments. Above the Ark were the two Cheruvim. These two angel-like forms were made out of gold. One of the Cheruvim had the face of a male child and the other of a female child. They had wings somewhat like birds. It was from there, above the ark, between those Cheruvim, that God would speak. When the sages teach, let everyone be involved in the ark, we learn that not only does each of us have a share in the Torah that the ark houses, but that each of us has a share in the ark itself. Since we keep the Torah in our heads or minds, this shows that the ark must represent this area of our body. Above the cover of the ark, but within the ark cover, are the Cheruvim, two entirely spiritual representations. They have human faces and angel wings. We see that they are entirely spiritual since their form is of creatures that do not physically exist. Since we are told that it is from between these two Cheruvim that God speaks to us, this must somehow be a metaphor for God and us. Most obviously, we do not take this illustration literally. God is not depicted anywhere in any way, let alone as an angelic being. However, in order to guide us in our approach to God, we are shown the image of two spiritual youths, one male and one female, facing each other, with their wings outstretched and touching at the tips. Imagine how these two would speak and listen to each other, and this is how we should speak and listen to God, a still, small voice. The deepest thought on this is that the ark cover and those two entities are made out of a single piece of material. They are two only in their form, but of their being, their actual makeup and essence, they are one. These two beings speaking to each other are really one. There is one.com.